When men stand out against the truth, when truth would enter, and men bar the door of their souls against the truth, God in justice gives up such souls to be deluded and deceived by error to their eternal undoing. 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 10 through 12 Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved, God shall send them strong delusions, or as the Greek hath it, the efficacy of error, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Ah, sirs, as you love your souls, do not tempt God, do not provoke God, by your withstanding truth and outfacing truth, to give you up to believe a lie, that you might be damned. There are no men on earth so fenced against error as those are that receive the truth in the love of it. Such souls are not easily tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness wherein they lie in wait to deceive. Ephesians 4.14 Footnote The Greek signifies cogging with a die. Such slights as cheaters and false gamesters use at dice. End of footnote. It is not he that receives most of the truth into his head, but he that receives most of the truth affectionately into his heart, that shall enjoy the happiness of having his judgment sound and clear, when others shall be deluded and deceived by them, who make it their business to infect the judgments and to undo the souls of men. Ah, souls, as you would not have your judgments polluted and defiled with error, let the word of the Lord that is more precious than gold, yea, than fine gold, dwell plenteously in you. Colossians 3.16 Footnote Dwell in you as an engrafted word incorporated into your souls, so concocted and digested by you, as that you turn it into a part of yourselves. It is not the hearing of truth, nor the knowing of truth, nor the commending of truth, nor the talking of truth, but the indwelling of truth in your souls that will keep your judgments chaste and sound in the midst of all those glittering errors that betray many souls into his hands that can easily transform himself into an angel of light. 2 Corinthians 11.14 That he may draw others to lie in chains of darkness with him forever. Footnote They must needs err that know not God's way, yet can they not wander so wide as to miss of hell. End of footnote O let not the word be a stranger, but make it your choices familiar. Then will you be able to stand in the day wherein many shall fall on your right hand and on your left, by the subtlety of those that shall say, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, there is Christ. There was more wit than grace in his speech that counseled his friends not to come too nigh unto truth, lest his teeth should be beaten out with its heels. Our souls, if truth dwell plenteously in you, you are happy. If not, you are unhappy under all your greatest felicity. Footnote Truth at last triumphs. Truth stands in the open fields. Aye, and it makes those souls stand in whom it dwells, when others fall as stars from heaven. End of footnote It is with truth, saith Melanchthon, as it is with holy water. Everyone praised it, and thought it had some rare virtue in it, but offer to sprinkle them with it, and they will shut their eyes and turn away their faces from it. Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that error makes the owner to suffer loss. 
all the pains and labor that men take to defend and maintain their errors, to spread abroad and infect the world with their errors, shall bring no profit nor no comfort to them in that day wherein every man's work shall be made manifest, and the fire shall try it of what sort it is, as the Apostle shows in that remarkable scripture, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 11 through 15. Ah, that all those that rise early and go to bed late, that spend their time, their strength, their spirits, their all to advance and spread abroad God-dishonoring and soul-undoing opinions, would seriously consider of this, that they shall lose all the pains, cost, and charge that they have been, or shall be at, for the propagating of error. And if they are ever saved, it shall be by fire, as the apostle there shows. Ah, sirs, is it nothing to lay out your money for that which is not bread, and your strength for that which will not, which cannot, profit you in the day that you must make up your account, and all your works must be tried by fire? Footnote Error, as a glass is bright but brittle, cannot endure the hammer or fire, as gold can, which, though rubbed or melted, remains firm and lustrous. End of footnote. Ah, that such souls would now at last buy the truth and sell it not. Proverbs 23.23 Remember, you can never overbuy it, whatsoever you give for it. You can never sufficiently sell it, if you should have all the world in exchange for it. It is said of Caesar that he had greater care of his books than of his royal robes. For, swimming through the waters to escape his enemies, he carried his books in his hand above the waters, but lost his robes. Ah, what are Caesar's books to God's books? Well, remember this, that one day, yea, one hour spent in the study of truth, or spreading abroad of truth, will yield a soul more comfort and profit than many thousand years spent in the study and spreading abroad of corrupt and vain opinions that have their rise from hell and not from heaven, from the God of this world and not from the God that shall at last judge this world and all the corrupt opinions of men. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is to hate, reject, and abominate all those doctrines and opinions that are contrary to godliness and that open a door to profaneness. Footnote. One piece of gold is worth a thousand new counters, and one old truth of God is more than a thousand new errors. True hatred is against all errors. It is sad to frown upon one error and smile upon another. End of footnote. And all such doctrines and opinions that require men to hold forth a strictness above what the scripture requireth and all such doctrines and opinions that do advance and lift up corrupted nature to the doing of supernatural things, which none can do but by that supernatural power that raised Christ from the grave, and such opinions that do lift our own righteousness in the room of Christ's righteousness, that place good works in the throne of Christ and makes them co-partners with Christ. And all those opinions and doctrines that do set up and cry up Christ and his righteousness as to cry down all duties of holiness and righteousness, and all those doctrines and opinions that do make the glorious and blessed privileges of believers in the days of the gospel to be lesser, fewer, and weaker than they were in the time of the law. Ah, did your souls arise with a holy hatred and a strong indignation against such doctrines and opinions, you would stand when others fall. You would shine as the sun in his glory when many that were once a shining stars may go forth as stinking snuff. 
Footnote. Gideon had seventy sons, and but one bastard, and yet that bastard destroyed all the rest. One turn may bring a man quite out of the way. End of footnote. Remedy 5. The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is to hold fast the truth. As men take no hold on the arm of flesh till they let go the arm of God, Jeremiah 17.5, so men take no hold on error till they have let go their hold of truth. Therefore hold fast the truth, 2 Timothy 1.13 and Titus 1.9. Truth is thy crown, hold fast thy crown, and let no man take thy crown from thee. Hath not God made truth sweet to thy soul, yea, sweeter than honey or the honeycomb? And wilt thou not go on to heaven, feeding upon truth, that heavenly honeycomb, as Samson did of his honeycomb? Footnote. The priests of Mercury, when they ate their figs and honey, cried out, Sweet is truth. End of footnote. Ah, souls, have you not found truth sweetening your spirits and cheering your spirits and warming your spirits? and raising your spirits and corroborating your spirits. Have not you found truth a guide to lead you, a staff to uphold you, a cordial to strengthen you, and a plaster to heal you? And will you not hold fast the truth? Hath not truth been your best friend in your worst days? Hath not truth stood by you when friends have forsaken you? Hath not truth done more for you than all the world could do against you? And will you not hold fast the truth? Footnote. It is with truth as with some plants, which live and thrive, but in warm climates. End of footnote. Is not truth your right eye, without which you cannot see for Christ, and your right hand, without which you cannot do for Christ, and your right foot, without which you cannot walk with Christ? And will you not hold truth fast? Oh, hold fast the truth of your judgments and understandings in your wills and affections, in your profession and conversation. Truth is more precious than gold or rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared with her. Proverbs 3.15 Truth is that heavenly glass wherein we may see the luster and glory of divine wisdom, power, greatness, love, and mercifulness. In this glass you may see the face of Christ, the favor of Christ, the riches of Christ and the heart of Christ, beating and working sweetly towards your souls. O oh, let your souls cleave to truth as Ruth did to Naomi, Ruth 1, verses 15 and 16, and say, I will not leave truth, nor return from following after truth. But where truth goes, I will go, and where truth lodgeth, I will lodge, and nothing but death shall part truth and my soul. Footnote. Though I cannot dispute for truth, yet I can die for the truth said a blessed martyr. End of footnote. What John said to the church of Philadelphia, I may say to you, Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Revelation 3.11 The crown is the top of royalties. Such a thing is truth. Let no man take thy crown. Hold fast the faithful word, as Titus speaks in chapter 1, verse 9. Footnote. Hold fast as with tooth and nail against these that would snatch it from us. End of footnote. You were better let go anything than truth. You were better let go your honors and riches, your friends and pleasures, and the world's favors. Yea, your nearest and dearest relations, I, your very lives, than to let go truth. 
Oh, keep the truth, and truth will make you safe and happy forever. Blessed are those souls that are kept by truth. Remedy 6 The sixth remedy against this device of Satan is to keep humble. Humility will keep the soul free from many darts of Satan's casting and erroneous snares of his spreading. As low trees and shrubs are free from many violent gusts and blasts of wind which shake and rend the taller trees, so humble souls are free from those gusts and blasts of error that rend and tear proud, lofty souls. Satan and the world have least power to fasten errors upon humble souls. The God of light and truth delights to dwell with the humble, and the more light and truth dwells in the soul, the further off darkness and error will stand from the soul. The God of grace pours in grace into humble souls, as men pour liquor into empty vessels. And the more grace is poured into the soul, the less error shall be able to overpower the soul or to infect the soul. Footnote I have read of one who, seeing in a vision so many snares of the devil spread upon the earth, he sat down mourning and said within himself, Who shall pass through these? Whereupon he heard a voice answering, Humility shall pass through them. End of footnote that is a sweet word in Psalm 25, verse 9. The meek, or the humble, will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Footnote. Psalm 25, verse 9. Ganavim, in Hebrew, which signifies the humble or afflicted. The high tide quickly ebbs, and the highest sun is presently declining. You know how to apply it. End of footnote. And certainly souls guided by God and taught by God are not easily drawn aside into ways of error. Oh, take heed of spiritual pride. Pride fills our fancies and weakens our graces and makes room in our hearts for error. There are no men on earth so soon entangled and so easily conquered by error as proud souls. Oh, it is dangerous to love to be wise above what is written, to be curious and unsober in your desire of knowledge and to trust to your own capacities and abilities to undertake to pry into all secrets and to be puffed up with a carnal mind. Souls that are thus soaring up above the bounds and limits of humility usually fall into the very worst of errors, as experience doth daily evidence. Footnote The proud soul is like him that gazed upon the moon, but fell into the pit. End of footnote. Remedy 7 the seventh remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider the great evils that errors have produced. Error is a fruitful mother and has brought forth such monstrous children as hath set towns, cities, and nations on fire. Footnote. Errors in conscience produce many great evils, not only in men's own souls, but also in human affairs. End of footnote. Error is that whorish woman that hath cast down many wounded many, yea, slain many strong men, many great men, and many learned men, and many professing men in former times and in our time, as is too evident to all that are not much left of God, destitute of the truth, and blinded by Satan. O oh, the graces that error hath weakened, and the sweet joys and comforts that error hath clouded, if not buried. O oh, the hands that error hath weakened, the eyes that error hath blinded, the judgments of men that error hath perverted, the minds that error hath darkened, the hearts that error hath hardened, 
the affections that error hath cooled, and the consciences that error hath feared, and the lives of men that error hath polluted. Ah, souls, can you solemnly consider of this and not tremble more at error than at hell itself? Device 12. To choose wicked company, to keep wicked society. And, oh, the horrid impieties and wickedness that Satan hath drawn men to sin by moving them to sit and associate themselves with vain persons. Remedy 1. The first remedy against this device of Satan is to dwell till your hearts be affected upon those commands of God that do expressly require us to shun the society of the wicked. Ephesians 5.11 And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them. Proverbs 5, verses 14 through 16 Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass by it, turn from it, and pass away. 1 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 11 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6 Proverbs 1, verses 10 through 15 Turn to these scriptures and let your souls dwell upon them till a holy indignation be raised in your souls against fellowship with vain men. God will not take the wicked by the hand, as Job speaks in chapter 34, verse 20, and chapter 30, verse 24. Why then should you? God's commands are not like those that are easily reversed, but they are like those of the Medes. They cannot be changed. If these commands be not now observed by thee, they will at last be witnesses against thee and millstones to sink thee in that day that Christ shall judge thee. Footnote The commands of God must outweigh all authority and example of men. Jerome End of footnote Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that their company is very infectious and dangerous as is clear from the scripture above mentioned. Ah, how many have lost their names and lost their estates and strength and God and heaven and souls by society with wicked men. As ye shun a stinking carcass, as the seamen shun sands and rocks and shoals, as ye shun those that have the plague sores running upon them, so should you shun the society of wicked men. As weeds endanger the corn, as bad humors endanger the blood, or as an infected house the neighborhood, so doth wicked company the soul. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Footnote. Eusebius reports of John the Evangelist that he would not suffer Cerinthus, the heretic, in the same bath with him, lest some judgment should abide them both. A man that keepeth ill company is like him that walketh in the sun, tanned insensibly. And a footnote. Bias, a heathen man, being at sea in a great storm, and perceiving many wicked men in the ship calling upon the gods, O, oh, said he, forbear prayer, hold your tongues. I would not have the gods take notice that you are here. They sure will drown us all if they should. Ah, sirs, could a heathen see so much danger in the society of wicked men, and can you see none? Remedy 3. The third remedy against this device of Satan is to look always upon wicked men under those names and notions that the scripture doth set them out under. The scripture calls them lions for their fierceness and bears for their cruelty and dragons for their hideousness and dogs for their filthiness and wolves 
for their suppleness. The scripture styles them scorpions, vipers, thorns, briars, thistles, brambles, stubble, dirt, chaff, dust, dross, smoke, scum. It is not safe to look upon wicked men under those names and notions that they set out themselves by, or that flatterers set them out by. This may delude the soul, but the looking upon them under those names and notions that the scripture sets them out by may preserve the soul from frequenting their company and delighting in their society. Do not tell me what this man calls them, or how such and such count them, but tell me how does the scripture call them, and how does the scripture count them. As Nabal's name was, so was his nature, 1 Samuel 25.25, and as wicked men's names are, so are their natures. You may well know enough what is within them by the apt names that the Holy Ghost has given them. Footnote Lactantius says of Lucian that he spared neither God nor man. Such monsters are wicked men which should render their company to all that have tasted of the sweetness of divine love a burden and not a delight. End of footnote. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that the society and company of wicked men have been a great grief and burden to those precious souls that were once glorious on earth and are now triumphing in heaven. Psalm 120, verses 5 and 6 Woe is me that I sojourn in Meshekah, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. So Jeremiah, Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them. For they be all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men. Jeremiah 9.2 So they vexed Lot's righteous soul by their filthy conversation. Second Peter 2.7 Footnote O Lord, let me not go to hell where the wicked are. For Lord, thou knowest I never love their company here, said a gracious gentlewoman when she was to die, being in much trouble of conscience. End of footnote They made his life a burden. They made death more desirable to him than life. Yea, they made his life a lingering death. Guilt or grief is all that good gracious souls get by conversing with wicked men. Part 3, page 102 Satan's devices to keep souls from holy duties, to hinder souls in holy services, and to keep them off from religious performances. The second thing to be shown is the several devices that Satan hath as to draw souls to sin, so to keep souls from holy duties, to hinder souls in holy services, and to keep them off from religious performances. And he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. Zechariah 3.1 Device 1 By presenting the world in such a dress, and in such a garb to the soul, as to ensnare the soul and to win upon the affection of the soul. He represents the world to them in its beauty and finery, which proves a bewitching sight to a world of men. Footnote The beauty of the world foils a Christian more than the strength, the flattering sunshine more than the blustering storm. In storms we keep our garments close about us. End of footnote 
It is true, this took not Christ, because Satan could find no matter in him for his temptation to work upon, so that he can no sooner cast out his golden bait, but we are ready to play with it and to nibble at it. He can no sooner throw out his golden ball, but men are apt to run after it, though they lose God and their souls in the pursuit. Ah, how many professors in these days have for a time followed hard after God, Christ, and ordinances, till the devil hath set before them the world in all its beauty and finery, which hath so bewitched their souls that they have grown to have low thoughts of holy things, and then to be cold in their affections to holy things, and then to slight them, and at last, with the young man in the gospel, to turn their backs upon them. Ah, the time, the thoughts, the spirits, the hearts, the souls, the duties, the services that the inordinate love of this wicked world doth eat up and destroy, and hath ate up and destroyed. Where one thousand are destroyed by the world's frowns, ten thousand are destroyed by the world's smiles. The world, siren-like, it sings us and sinks us. It kisses us and betrays us, like Judas. It kisses us and smites us under the fifth rib, like Joab. The honors, splendor, and all the glory of this world are but sweet poisons that will much endanger us if they do not eternally destroy us. Footnote The inhabitants of Nilus are deaf by the noise of the waters, so the world makes such a noise in men's ears that they cannot hear the things of heaven. The world is like the swallow's dung that put out Tobias's eyes. The champions could not wing an apple out of Milo's hand by a strong hand, but a fair maid, by fair means, got it presently. End of footnote. Ah, the multitude of souls that have surfeited of these sweet baits and died forever. Remedy 1 The first remedy against this device of Satan is to dwell upon the impotency and weakness of all these things here below. They are not able to secure you from the least evil. They are not able to procure you the least desirable good. The crown of gold cannot cure the headache, nor the velvet slipper ease the gout, nor the jewel about the neck take away the pain of the teeth. The frogs of Egypt entered into the rich men's houses of Egypt as well as the poor. Our daily experience thus evidence this, that all the honors and riches that men enjoy cannot free them from the colic, the fever, or lesser diseases. Footnote A prior, said Melanchthon, rolled his hand up and down in a basin full of angels, thinking thereby to have charmed his gout, but it would not do. Nugus, the Scythian, despising the rich presents and ornaments that were sent unto him by the emperor of Constantinople, asked whether those things could drive away calamities, diseases, or death. In the footnote. Nay, that which may seem most strange is that a great deal of wealth cannot keep men from falling into extreme poverty. You shall find seventy kings with their fingers and toes cut off, glad, like whelps, to lift up crumbs under another king's table, and shortly after the same king that brought them to this penury is reduced to the same poverty and misery. Judges 1.6 Why then should that be a bar to keep thee out of heaven that cannot give thee the least ease on earth? Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is to dwell upon the vanity of them as well as upon the impotency of all worldly good. This is the sum of Solomon's sermon, Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. 
These are our first parents found and therefore named their second son Abel, or vanity. Solomon, that had tried these things and could best tell the vanity of them, he preached this sermon over again and again. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It is sad to think how many thousands there be that can say with the preacher, Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Nay, swear it, and yet follow after these things as if there were no other glory, nor felicity, but what is to be found in these things that are called vanity. Footnote. Gilomax, king of Vandals, led in triumph by Belsarius, cried out, Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. The fancy of Lucian, who placeth Charon on the top of an high hill, viewing all the affairs of men living, and looking on their greatest cities as little bird's nests, is very pleasant. End of footnote. Such men will sell Christ, heaven, and their souls for a trifle, that call these things vanity, but do not cordially believe them to be vanity, but set their hearts upon them as if they were their crown, the top of their royalty and glory. O let your souls dwell upon the vanity of all things here below, till your hearts be so thoroughly convinced and persuaded of the vanity of them, as to trample upon them, and make them a footstool for Christ to get up and ride in a holy triumph in your hearts. Footnote. O the imperfection, the ingratitude, the levity, the inconstancy, the perfidiousness of those creatures we most servilely affect. Ah, did we but weigh man's pain with his payment, his crosses with his mercies, his miseries with his pleasures, we should then see that there is nothing got by a bargain, and conclude, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. End of footnote. Chrysostom once said, that if he were the fittest in the world to preach a sermon to the whole world, gathered together in one congregation, and had some high mountain for his pulpit, from whence he might have a prospect of all the world in his view, and were furnished with the voice of brass, a voice as loud as the trumpets of the archangel, that all the world might hear him, he would choose to preach upon no other text than that in the Psalms. O mortal men, how long will ye love vanity and follow after leasing? Psalm 4, verse 2. Tell me, you that say all things under the sun are vanity, if you do really believe what you say, why do you spend more thoughts and time on the world than you do on Christ, heaven, and your immortal souls? Why do you then neglect your duty towards God to get the world? Why do you then so eagerly pursue after the world and are so cold in your pursuing after God, Christ, and holiness? Why then are your hearts so exceedingly raised when the world comes in and smiles upon you, and so much dejected and cast down when the world frowns upon you and with Jonah's gourd withers before you? Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is to dwell much upon the uncertainty, the mutability, and inconsistency of all things under the sun. Man himself is but the dream of a dream, but the generation of a fancy, but an empty vanity, but the curious picture of nothing, a poor, feeble, dying flesh. All temporals are as transitory as a hasty headlong current, a shadow, a ship, a bird, an arrow, a post that passeth by. Why shouldst thou set thine eyes upon that which is not, saith Solomon, Proverbs 23, verse 5, and saith the apostle, the fashion of this world 
passes away. 1 Corinthians 7.31 Footnote 1 Corinthians 7.31 intimates that there is nothing of any firmness or solid consistence in the creature. And a footnote. Heaven only hath a foundation, earth hath none, but is hanged upon nothing, as Job speaks. 26 verse 7. The apostle willed Timothy to charge rich men that they be not high-minded, nor to put their trust in uncertain riches. 1 Timothy 6.17 Footnote Riches were never true to any that trusted to them. They have deceived men, as Job's book did the poor travelers in the summer season. In Job 6 verse 15 End of footnote They are like bad servants, whose shoes are made of running leather, and will never tarry long with one master. As a bird hoppeth from tree to tree, so do the honors and riches of this world from man to man. Let Job and Nebuchadnezzar testify this truth, who fell from great wealth to great want. No man can promise himself to be wealthy till night. One storm at sea, one coal of fire, one false friend, one unadvised word, one false witness, may make thee a beggar and a prisoner all at once. All the riches and glory of this world is but as smoke and chaff that vanishes, as a dream and vision in the night that tarries not. Job 20, verse 8. As if a hungry man dreameth, and thinketh that he eateth, and when he awaketh his soul is empty, and like a thirsty man which thinketh he drinketh, and behold when he is awaked his soul is faint, as the prophet Isaiah saith in chapter 29, verse 8. Where is the glory of Solomon? the sumptuous buildings of Nebuchadnezzar, the nine hundred chariots of Caesarea, the power of Alexander, the authority of Augustus that commanded the whole world to be taxed. Those that have been the most glorious in what men generally account glorious and excellent have had inglorious ends, as Samson for strength, Absalom for favor, Ahithophel for policy, Haman for favor, Ahasahel for swiftness, Alexander for great conquest, and yet after twelve years poisoned. The same you may see in the four mighty kingdoms, the Chaldean, Persian, Grecian, and Roman. How soon were they gone and forgotten? Footnote. The most renowned Frederick lost all, and sued to be made but sexton of the church that himself had built. I have read of a poor fisherman who, while his nets were a-drying, slept upon the rock, and dreamed that he was made a king. On a sudden starts up, and leaping for joy, fell down from the rock, and in the place of his imaginary felicities, loses his little portion of pleasures. And a footnote. Now rich, now poor, now full, now empty, now in favor, anon out of favor, now honorable, now despised, now health, now sickness, now strength, now weakness. Footnote. The pomp of this world John compares to the moon, which increaseth and decreaseth. And a footnote. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that the great things of this world are very hurtful and dangerous to the outward and inward man through the corruptions that be in the hearts of men. Oh, the rest, the peace, the comfort, the content that the things of this world do strip many men of. Oh, the fears, the cares, the envy, the malice, the dangers, the mischiefs, 
that they subject men to. Footnote. Henry II, hearing Le Mans, his chief city to be taken, used this blasphemous speech. I shall never, saith he, love God any more, that suffered a city so dear to me to be taken from me. End of footnote. They oftentimes make men carnally confident. Footnote. When one presented Antipater, king of Macedonia, with a book treating on a happiness, his answer was, I have no leisure. End of footnote. The rich man's riches are a strong tower in his imagination. I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Psalm 30, verse 6. They often swell the heart with pride and make men forget God and neglect God and despise the rock of their salvation. When Jeshurun waxed fat and was grown thick and covered with fatness, then he forgot God and forsook God that made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation, as Moses spake in Deuteronomy 32, verse 15. All the time, the thoughts, the spirits, that the things of the world consume and spend. Oh, how do they hinder the actings of faith upon God? How do they interrupt our sweet communion with God? How do they abate our love to the people of God and cool our love to the things of God and work us to act like those that are most unlike to God? Oh, the dreadfulness, the barrenness that doth attend men under great outward mercies. Footnote. Four good mothers begat four bad daughters. Great familiarity begets contempt. Truth begets hatred. Virtue begets envy. Riches begets ignorance. Oh, the riches of the world chokes the word that men live under the most soul-searching and soul-enriching means with lean souls. Though they have full purses, though their chests are full of silver, yet their hearts are empty of grace. In Genesis 13:2, it is said that Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver and in gold. According to the Hebrew, it is Abram was very weary to show that riches are a heavy burden and a hindrance many times to heaven and happiness. Footnote. Polycrates bestowed five talents for a gift upon one Anasirian, who for two nights after was so troubled with care how to keep them and how to bestow them as he carried them back to Polycrates, saying they were not worth the pains which he had already taken for them. End of footnote. King Henry IV of France asked the Duke of Alva if he had observed the great eclipse of the sun, which had lately happened. No, said the Duke, I have so much to do on earth that I have no leisure to look up to heaven. Ah, that this were not true of most professors in these days. It is very sad to think how their hearts and time is so much taken up with earthly things that they have scarce any leisure to look up to heaven or to look after Christ and the things that belong to their everlasting peace. Riches, though well got, yet all but like to manna. Those that gathered less had no want, and those that gathered more, it was but a trouble and annoyance to them. The world is troublesome, and yet it is loved. What would it be if it were peaceable? You embrace it, though it be filthy. What would you do if it were beautiful? You cannot keep your hands from the thorns. How earnest would you be then in gathering the flowers? The world may be fitly likened to the serpent Sightail, whereof it is reported that when she cannot overtake the flying passengers, 
she doth with her beautiful colors so astonish and amaze them that they have no power to pass away till she hath stung them. Footnote. Sicily is so full of sweet flowers that dogs cannot hunt there. And what do all the sweet contents of this world but make us lose the scent of heaven? End of footnote. Ah, how many thousands are there now on earth that have found this true by experience, that have spun a fair thread to strangle themselves, both temporally and eternally, by being bewitched by the beauty and finery of this world. Remedy 5 The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is to consider that all the felicity of this world is mixed. Our light is mixed with darkness, our joy with sorrow, our pleasures with pain, our honor with dishonor, our riches with wants. If our lights be spiritual, quick and clear, we may see in the felicity of this world our wine mixed with water, our honey with gall, our sugar with wormwood, and our roses with prickles. Footnote. Hark, scholar, said the harlot to Apollusius, it is but a bitter sweet you are so fond of. Surely all the things of this world are but bitter sweets. End of footnote. Sorrow attends worldly joy, danger attends worldly safety, loss attends worldly labors, tears attend worldly purposes. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, 
that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.